Before we get into today's show, I want to tell you guys about a great podcast called Smells Like Middle-Aged Spirit, hosted by Nick Stevenson, Naomi Richardson, Chris Kahn, and Josh Beard. With these four friends, no topic is off-limit. They keep it real, uncut, and hilarious as hell. So if you're looking for the best damn podcast that you've ever heard, produced by the best damn podcast team in the business, look no further than Smells Like Middle-Aged Spirit, available wherever you get your podcast. also available on YouTube. And remember, folks, if it smells like middle-aged spirit, breathe it in. It's strong, but you'll get used to it. On today's episode, Ryan Tannehill is shook by Malik Willis. I kind of defend Draymond Green. And I finally understand why dudes don't leave a barber once they find the barber and a whole lot more. All right, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Chopping It Up with P. Scott. I'm Prescott Kelly. It's been almost three weeks since I've been on the microphone in this fashion. We've been a little bit more active with the live streaming. We had Dylan Larson on last Thursday, right before the NFL draft started. He went over all 32 teams, no trades, what he would do, what he thinks NFL teams would do. Last year he was on, we picked on Jeff Darlington. This year we picked on Mel Kuyper. Spoiler alert, he outdrafted both of those guys back-to-back years. If you don't know who Dylan Larson is, he used to write for the Landry hat, which is kind of a big deal, especially for Cowboys fans. And the thing I love most about Dylan is he isn't social media Dallas Cowboys fan because there's a huge, overwhelming majority of 85, 90% of we them boys, it's our year. Now, that's not just Cowboys fans. That's fans in general. They always think, especially right after the draft, oh, This is our year. But Cowboys fans, social media-wise, are notorious for this. Dylan is not that, though. This dude knows his stuff. So if you want to go back to the Chopping Up a P-Scott page on Facebook, we did a live stream. Like I said, we went through all 32 teams. We talked some Debo. We talked some Baker. Had a lot of other conversations mixed in. If you've got the time, it's a really cool and a really fun listen. I just The fact that I had five hours to do it then was an anomaly. I just don't have that much time on me to be able to do that. So for me to have seven or eight hours to re-listen and edit down, I just don't know if it's possible. But if you want an organic conversation between two dudes talking sports right before the draft, it's a really, really fun listen. But to get back to it, it's really good to be back on the mic. The last episode I did was, like I said, almost three weeks ago. It was a tribute to my mom. Uh, not. It was just, it was the day before her birthday. I'm not trying to make it sound like it was something you know, tragic happen or anything like that. But I was in a weird space where I hadn't slept in like two weeks. It wasn't my best work, but I was just wanting to get content out, right? This is something that it's a passion of mine that I want to just build into something that's bigger than what it is now. So I work 10 and a half, 11 hours at my job, sometimes more because we're crazy busy this time of year. And then on my days off, I put in multiple hours here. We also live right across from a highway. I would say from my back deck, I could throw a football and hit it. We are so close to the road and I'm such a light sleeper. My mind never stops. I went through like two, three weeks where I I just never slept. I think grand total 40 hours in two or three weeks. It was just the worst experience of my life. And most of it, like when I say, you know, my mind doesn't stop, it really doesn't. And most of it's because I've been working from home for the last couple of years and I'm always worried about, all right, well, I've got to do 
this for kiddo in the morning before he goes to school, or I've got to take him, and I've got to do this when I get when I get back from there, and what's going to happen tomorrow when, when I'm at work. My mind is just constantly going all the time. But what's really helping, I've been able to sleep a lot better. I know that a lot of you guys don't care about this, but when we talk about like mental health and getting yourself right, my wife left her job and is starting another one. And she's been home. And just the fact that she's here has been a huge burden off my shoulders. And I'm not thinking about anything else. I feel good for the first time, I'd say, in like 10 years. That sounds like it'd be hyperbolic, but it really isn't. My mind is able to be at ease for whatever reason. Maybe it's just because she's here and she's helping. I have no idea. But that's what it feels like. So the last episode I did, which was April 14th, I sounded very lethargic because I was. I am in here ready to get things cracking. Sorry for the delay. I just wanted to kind of, it's been a while and if there's ever a three week absence of something, especially for something that I'm so passionate about, just want to let you guys know because my following is not huge, but it's very, very supportive. So sorry for the long introduction, but I want you guys to know I'm okay. We're good. So let's get into the episode. Before we actually get into like the real meat and taters of this thing with the sports, I want to say I finally get it with the whole barbershop mentality, man. I totally get it now. The other day I was on Facebook and I had asked some of my friends, where should I go to get my beard trimmed up? Because... I made an executive decision at the beginning of 2021 where I just shaved my head. I had a bald spot. You know, not a whole lot of people could tell because I'm I'm 6'3". So not a lot of people could see it. But there were enough people taller than me, especially in my workplace, that would point it out. And if you're sitting, everybody can see it. I was just done with it. I was tired of thinking about it. So I just, you know, quote unquote, went home. But I want to get my beard trimmed up because, you know, I want to get something nice and neat and clean. And there were a couple of places. Now, you know me. If it's something bad or something that I think is dumb, like mostly sports takes or just in general, if it's bad or dumb, I don't like throwing specific people under the bus. If it's great and it's, you know, something that's being contributing, I will give them a shout out. Yesterday was not that day. So I'm asking people, where can I get lined up? I want this thing to finally look good. I let my beard kind of get a little bit on the uh, scraggly side. So I've had multiple people suggest multiple places. I reached out to somebody. One of my friends gave me an actual barber's phone number. And I said, you know what? This is kind of awkward texting a stranger at nine o'clock at night, but I really want to get this done. And this dude, you know, he's supposed to be a technician. Like, it's going to take 45 minutes. Okay, I'm down with that, especially if it's going to give me that barbershop feel. Alaska doesn't have, you know, barbershop feel. It just doesn't. So when I found out this guy is really good at what he does, he's a technician, and it's going to take a bit, and we can chop it up for a bit. Cool, that sounds good. I texted the dude. He didn't get back to me until early the next morning, and I was already at another place. I went to this spot. Again, I'm not going to name names of where I went to because I'm not trying to drag anybody down. But he asked me what I wanted. I said, you know, I want it lined up, cleaned up, 
and a little bit shorter. I still want the full beard, but I want it just less, if you will. I got done 20 minutes later, and all the dude did was just like line up the cheeks. That was pretty much it. And I said, okay, well, if I got to, in my mind, I'm going, if I got to repeat myself, I'm not, I'm not doing this again. So I walked out and I just did it on my own. And I've always wondered when it comes to like the barbershop mentality, I totally get now. No, I've got a dude. I still don't have a dude who can do anything for me because that was my first time trying to go to a pro to do it and you couldn't execute the game plan. So I totally get now where guys are like, yeah, I've got a guy who cuts my hair. Because my last two, my last two encounters with haircuts was one that, which wasn't really a haircut. Well, I guess it's three. That guy who didn't do what I asked. The other one was I went to, I went to sport clips because we got one of those in Alaska when I actually got my head shaved and he did, you know, I don't really know how it's, how you could mess that up. I just didn't want all that hair in my house. I'd rather be at your shop where you got the brooms and like, like that's your joint. That ain't mine. Besides those two, the last like haircut haircut I had, I went to great clips because like for me, I, my hair doesn't really matter to me. I just want it done. But I had this lady cut my hair out of great clips. And she was incredibly rude, but incredibly funny. Like she was the Don Rickles of estheticians and hair cosmetology. This woman cuts my hair. Obviously, she can see my bald spot because I'm in the chair and I'm down. And she's cutting my hair. And as it's falling to the floor, this woman who was Asian asked, Oh, you want me to sprinkle hair on top of boss boss since it's off now? I swear to God, I've never, it's, again, it's, you don't want to say that to a customer. That feels like something that you wouldn't say. But at the same time, I'm just like, I have no response for what you just said to me. I have none. So I'm done with like barbers. If anybody in Alaska can refer me to a great beard trimmer, because I do, I want that. I want that barbershop mentality, right? It's always cool to step in there and talk sports and just kind of bullshit with, you know, whoever's doing the work on you. But we don't have that. And the one time I step out of bounds and try to find that person, nah, it wasn't it. So if you want to reach out to me personally and tell me where to go get this done, please do. And I will respond to you until you know if it's where I went to. All right, so before we get into everything, I just want to say I am super terrible at telling people where they can find the show. It's not until I post it you know, on Facebook or Instagram that I actually let people know. If you enjoy the content, or even if you hate it, if you think I said something super dumb and want to show it to your friends, that's cool too. If you loved it, if I had something that makes sense to you that nobody else does, share it with them. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and also through the Anchor app as well. And I also found out a cool little feature over the week that you can actually leave a voicemail for the show if you go to anchor.fm slash chopping it up with Scott. That's anchor.fm slash chopping up with Scott. You can leave a voicemail. You can tell us how we're doing, how we're not doing. 
topics that you want us to talk about. Doesn't have to be sports. We've been kind of branching out over the past few months, so that's always welcome as well. But today is going to be a sports day, and we're going to lead off with some that I initially wasn't going to do, but I was checking my phone because, again, me being in Alaska, I am way behind the East Coast and, like, information centers. Like, California, not really. I'm only one hour behind them, but when it comes to just information, we are... We get the information at the exact same time, but, you know, it's just time zones. We're back. And I really hate the fact that time zones still need to be explained to grown adults. I know it's kind of a weird tangent for me to go on, but it blows my mind how many idiots there are out there who don't understand how time zones work. Sorry, rant over. But to get back on topic, as I'm scrolling through my socials during the commercial break, I was looking and I saw that Ryan Tannehill is kind of butthurt about Malik Willis being in town. That doesn't surprise me one bit. He's basically saying, you know, it's not my job to mentor. I agree with that. I don't think it is his job to mentor anybody. But he's doing this because he feels threatened. He absolutely knows Malik Willis is coming for that job. And before I get into that, I, I'm pretty transparent. If I'm wrong about something, I need to admit that I'm wrong about it. And I feel like most people appreciate that. Before the draft started, I had said months ago that regardless of what the quarterback talent is, we are going to see three, probably four. I was set on four quarterbacks going in the first round. It's the trend of the NFL. It happens damn near every year. We hear before college football season starts, nobody's worth anything except for like, you know, the Peyton Mannings and the Andrew, the Andrew Lux. Uh, the Trevor Lawrence is like, if we hear about you from your freshman year, it's just three years of us just hearing you are the next chosen one. But otherwise, once we start getting closer to draft time, everybody, oh, well, there's two more quarterbacks. There's another, there's a third, there's a fourth. There's always somebody else in the mix. You weren't there beforehand, but once the draft, because every NFL team is starving for a quarterback. So I'm going to give you, before we get to Ryan Tannehill, I'm going to say where I was wrong and where I was right in the exact same breath, essentially. I thought that four quarterbacks would be taken in the first round because that has been the trend of the NFL. Only one did. Pittsburgh took Kenny Pickett, but here's why I think that they did it. They don't want a Dan Marino fiasco again. Dan Marino went to Pitt. They could have had him. Didn't do it. Now they're trying to get the hometown kid because... Everybody wants him to play there, right? All the fans. I feel like Pittsburgh messed up because they did what the fans wanted them to do. And this isn't saying that I've got full confidence in Mitch Trubisky. I did say a few weeks ago that nobody has done more to resurrect their career than Mitch Trubisky by literally doing nothing. Just him not being on the Chicago Bears upped his status and what his value is exponentially just because he wasn't in Chicago and wasn't being exploited to everything that was terrible that Matt Nagy was doing. So I'm not saying that, you know, Trubisky is losing out or that he was supposed to be the week one starter. I just feel like Pittsburgh's looking at this from multiple angles of, well, the fans wants to take him. And not even that, we can't do a Dan Marino 2.0. And I know that a lot of you simps are going to say, well, did Dan Marino win a Super Bowl? No, he didn't. But he was also arguably the best thrower of the football ever but just didn't win a Super Bowl because he was in Miami. So I was wrong as far as how many quarterbacks would be taken. 
But where I'm also right is something that I have been saying for on this podcast now for over a year is stop reaching for quarterbacks. And I feel like the NFL is starting to wise up because one of the things that I've always said is, why are we paying quarterbacks for team success? That's largely what we do, right? We've seen, now I'm not, Trent Dilfer with the Ravens like wasn't that, but as far as like the money portion is concerned. But we've seen teams like the Ravens who are generationally great on defense win with Tony Banks and Trent Dilfer. We've seen uh, the Denver Broncos when Peyton Manning was on his last leg. He was terrible. Generational defense won a Super Bowl. The Rams got to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. The Jaguars went to an AFC championship. And if they didn't feel like they were handcuffed by him, they should have beaten the Patriots as well. But those are all guys. Well, two of them didn't get the bag. They already had the bag. But two of them, the other two, Goff and and Bortles, got substantial compensation because their defenses were generational. Now, I'm not saying every defense is going to be generational, but what I am saying is that every quarterback is not Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. Everybody and every team thinks that they can get that or that we can make them into that. No, they are the anomaly. There are going to be two teams in the Super Bowl anyways, right? It doesn't matter how you do the math. You're going to have two teams there. Are you willing to pay the quarterback at this point in time now $40 million, 20 plus percent of your cap space to just a dude? And I feel like teams are now starting to get it. You know what? We don't have these generational dudes. There are a few of them, yes, but once that team has them, we aren't going to be able to get them. Like, you're not trading for Patrick Mahomes. You're not, Tom Brady's like 40 plus. So that's kind of out of, the, out of the equation, I think. I think. But even if he gets traded, who, NFL's wild as hell. But if you've got a guy who you think is the dude, Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allens, I guess you could even throw in Joe Burrow and, and Justin Herbert, guys like that, you're not going to be able to trade for them especially with like how young they are. Maybe like when they get older, they've already got the accolades and things like that and they're on the back end of their career. Maybe you can trade for them, but nobody in their right mind is trading those types of guys that young. It's just not going to happen. So even though I was wrong on how many quarterbacks would be taken in the first round, what I was right on is these, these franchises are starting to finally figure it out. Let's build great football teams. The quarterback... Hopefully we get it right. Because again, like now generational, those those defenses that I mentioned, those were generational, like in the ballpark of great defenses, like top fives, top tens, however you want to do that. Even though they're newer teams, they were great. They were top one, two, three defenses, turnovers, points per game, all the good stuff. And when it comes to quarterbacks now, everybody can throw for 4,000 yards, except for, I guess, you know, Chicago Bear quarterbacks, which I talked about this with Phil Thomas a couple weeks ago. That dude's going to be labeled a bust because Chicago is going to fail him. I don't believe that Justin Fields is going to be a bust or is a bust, but he's going to be labeled that because that franchise is doing him a complete disservice. But yeah, like all these quarterbacks can give you over 4,000 yards. 
around the 4,500 yards and almost 30 touchdowns. Like, that's the way the league works now, and these guys are all super talented, but you only have a handful of guys who are really the guy. So now teams are trying to build the best roster, which is something that I've been saying. I already think the draft is dumb. I think it's the dumbest thing that we do. In, it's not the dumbest thing, but it's up there. Because there's no guarantee that any of these guys are going to be any good. And there's a reason why these guys go high in the draft is because these franchises are terrible. And we have a handful of teams who always pick late. They always pick late. It's the Kansas Cities, the New Englands, the Green Bays, the Pittsburgh. Teams like that who are always 10 plus win teams. And you've got a certain amount of teams who always are kind of in that top five. It's the Jaguars. It's the Lions. It's the Jets. Sometimes it's Houston. It will be Houston for a few more years, it seems like. But since anybody can throw for 4,000 yards, and sometimes you get those 300-yard games from just random-ass quarterbacks, let's build a football team and try to be competitive. And that's where the NFL... I don't know if it's going to... If it's, that trend is going to continue. Because, again, the trend was three, four quarterbacks. And next year, it sounds like that is going to be another, another year where that is the blueprint. Three, four, five quarterbacks might get taken in the first round. But it wasn't this year, and I'm glad to see teams like actually fill out their rosters and try to get good that way. Now, that was a long tangent, and I apologize. The ADHD with me is crazy. So, we'll go back to this Malik Willis and Ryan Tannehill thing. I Again, I don't think that Tannehill owes Malik Willis anything, Right? He said, you know, we're both in the quarterback room. We're both trying to win the starting job. We're both looking at the same film. All of that is true. But Ryan Tannehill knows that he is limited. Ryan Tannehill is about to be Alex Smith. Alex Smith, when he was in San Francisco, there is a ceiling. You can't do much more with Alex Smith than maybe a conference championship game. He's too limited. He's too safe. He can't make all the throws. Now, again, because sports simps are simps, did you see that throw to A.J. Brown? You are taking an isolated play in a playoff game and trying to make that who Ryan Tannehill is, and that is not who he is. Ryan Tannehill is a converted wide receiver to a quarterback, and he has been fine in the NFL. He is just like 90% of the other quarterbacks in the NFL. But he is Alex Smith, he is limited. He's short throw guy. Maybe gets you one or two throws a game down the field. That's it. He depends on the run game like Alex Smith did. Alex Smith got replaced by Kaepernick because there was a higher ceiling with Kaepernick than there wasn't Alex Smith. Then Alex Smith once again got replaced by Patrick Mahomes because there is a ceiling. And even though he got traded from Miami to Tennessee before they got Tua, the plan was, we can't win with you. And it's not entirely Tannehill's fault. I'm not trying to do that. But he's not a top five, even 10 quarterback. Remember when Ryan Tannehill was getting MVP discussions a couple of years ago because their Titans record was good? It wasn't because of him. I've been saying for years, and I will die on this hill. The Tennessee Titans are the Utah Jazz of the NFL. I don't care what your record shows in the regular season. I don't care what you've done. You're not going to do anything, especially with Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback. And I do believe that Ryan Tannehill will be the starter week one. I don't think Malik Willis is just going to start and, and just be that person. What I do think you'll see, though, is a very similar trajectory 
from what we saw with Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith. You'll see Tannehill start. And let's just say that the Titans kind of run through the AFC South and they've got another 11-12 win season, right? Then you, you bench Tannehill because the AFC South is garbage. Let's just put that out there. Indy, maybe. The defense is good. Offensive line is good. Jonathan Taylor's a stud. Maybe they threaten. But overall, Tennessee has the better game plan to pick apart that division. But let's just say Tennessee runs through that joint again and they've got another 11 or 12 in, 12 in season and they sit Ryan Tannehill week like 15, 16, 17, somewhere in that ballpark. And Malik Willis looks great. Now, they're meaningless games. But is that enough to push Tannehill out? I would say so, especially because like they're paying like $40 million for Ryan Tannehill. Get the hell out of here. I'm just saying, don't be surprised if at the end of the season, Malik Willis does take over because I believe that he will at some point in time this season. It's, now, if they struggle early on, you might see Malik Willis come in way earlier than we thought. But if they run through that joint and they've got, you know, three, four game lead in the division or whatever the case might be, and they're just trying to rest Tannehill and let Malik play, the following season, Tannehill is 100% done in Tennessee. I'll put money on that right now. And while we talk about Utah, because, you know, Again, I, these those two are synonymous with each other. I can't think about Tennessee football without thinking about Utah basketball. They are the exact same to me. And I promise I will not spend nearly as much time on this as I did <laughs> Tannehill and you know backup quarterback play and stuff like that. But in Utah, there is some what was the uh, what was the word that Brett Favre, a schism. There's a schism in uh, in Utah between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, and Rudy Gobert is saying it's him or me. Now, what I'm seeing a lot of is, well, why would you, Utah has to take Donovan Mitchell? He's the guy that they have to keep. No, 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 no. If the ultimatum is it's keep Rudy Gobert or keep Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell is going, oh no, I wish you guys would keep me. I don't want to leave here. Maybe you should just take Gobert though. No, Mitchell wants to get the hell out of there as he should. Here's the deal. I like Donovan Mitchell. I think he's fun to watch, but I don't think he's that dude. I don't think he's that dude. Gobert is somebody who can pay less money, is obviously more of a defender, doesn't give you much on the offensive side, but Mitchell's the dude who I feel like he thinks that he's Allen Iverson. When I watch, when I watch Donovan Mitchell play, he thinks he's that good. He's not that good. He's not Allen Iverson good. He's a good NBA basketball player. Yes, absolutely. But you're not good enough to even beat Dallas without Luka for half of the series? Come on, dog. You can't put yourself on that high of a pedestal and think that you're the dude. So when I see the ultimatum of it's him or me, Donovan's going to make it look like, yeah, you guys need to keep me. But in reality, he's going, no, you get me the out of here now. It sounds like Gobert actually wants to say, because from what I understand, those words are coming from Gobert. But what I'm saying is like social media is saying, why would you let Mitchell go? You got to keep him. Now, nah, for me, you can you can get more for Mitchell than you can for Gobert anyways. It is a guard-driven league now. 
And the stigma around Donovan Mitchell is, yeah, he can still give you 30, but what else is he going to give you? Is he going to make the right basketball play? Because I saw multiple times, like even in just the Dallas series, where he wouldn't pass to Gobert when he was wide open. The only time it worked was an alley-oop to him one time at the end of the game. It's And it's because there's so much friction between them. Nobody thought he was going to throw it to, to Gobert. But you can't have one isolated play be the reason why you should keep them together or you should keep Mitchell. Mitchell is not, I don't even think he's necessarily more talented. Their skill set is just different. But you're not winning anything with both of them together. And Utah has no reason to keep Mitchell anyways. Because one of the things that I love talking about is how good is somebody once they get the opportunity to play? Now, Jordan Clarkson is kind of, he's not like their closer, but he is a huge part of their offense off the bench. Jordan Clarkson is essentially Donovan Mitchell. They're not great defenders. They can get you buckets. They're both kind of, like I don't want to say selfish, but they look for their own first. So why would you pay Donovan Mitchell like 40 plus million dollars a year when you've got Jordan Clarkson who can give you the exact same production and then if you ship Mitchell out, you can actually get pieces back that fit what you want to do. And the reason why I bring up, you know, production versus your time is a perfect segue into Jordan Poole because what I've been saying for a while is these professional sports leagues, they need more outlets. Now that NIL is a thing, you're not probably going to see that as much. Like you're not going to see the expansion of other sports leagues kind of come up because the college kids can finally make money and good for them. But my, my bigger point is there are dudes at these levels that can play, but they don't get the opportunity because quote unquote stars have already been established. The reason why Jordan Poole is so good, not the whole reason, but I'm saying the reason why we know him now is because Clay missed a bunch of time. Steph missed some time. We got to see him play. Jordan Poole could always play, but when you are looking at, you had Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, and I know that Andrew Wiggins is one of those names where it's it's only Andrew Wiggins, but he's a dude who like averages 20. Like he's a good basketball player. I don't a lot of people want to go straight to the he wasn't worth a number one pick. You can call that is whatever it is for it is. That's on you. But he's a dude who can consistently give you 20, especially if he is somebody who is your primary score. Once he got to Golden State, that wasn't his role anymore. But when you have Clay and Steph and Wiggins, Jordan Poole isn't going to get a whole lot of run at first. It wasn't until injuries came up and you let this guy get burned that we finally got to see who this dude was. And that is my argument for a lot of these professional athletes. They don't get the chance because the dude has already been established. So when I look at like next season, let's just say, Andrew Wiggins is probably not on that roster. Either Andrew Wiggins or Klay Thompson. One of those two is probably not on that roster anymore because they make too much money and they see what Jordan Poole can do. He's not the defender that Klay Thompson is. No, but Klay has had two major injuries. He's largely just a spot-up shooter. Doesn't give you much off the dribble. And Andrew Wiggins is somebody who, why the hell are we paying this guy so much money? I don't know if they can trade both or if they're going to trade both, but I would not be surprised if in the offseason you see one of those two guys get dealt because Jordan Poole's going to want to play and he's going to want a max deal. And you can't pay Steph and Clay and Wiggins and Draymond and, Dr- and <laughs> James Wiseman. There's too much money. Like you're going to be so much over the cap if you try to even do that. You've got to move somebody. 
Clay and Wiggins are two of the guys who I would not be surprised if they move because they see what they've gotten out of Jordan Poole and also at a much lesser financial obligation to them. Now, the title episode is Perception Becomes Reality. And I'm going to stay put with the Golden State Warriors for a moment. We just wrapped up the last segment with them, and we're going to kind of segue back into it. But this has to do with Draymond Green. Perception can, not always, but it can become a reality. Now, I am somebody who, when I see people make fun of Draymond Green as far as statistical values, right? Charles Barkley, he's a single triple, right? Eight points, eight rebounds, eight assists. Yeah, but what does he do for your team collectively? He does a lot of like the hockey assists. He does a lot of stuff defensively. He's not Marcus Smart because he's bigger, but they're kind of in that same realm. You can put them anywhere. Now, Draymond's getting up there in age, so he can't really do it to the level that he could in 2015, 16, 17, 18 in that realm. He's still a very versatile defender. And he's going to be more of like a wing and post guy than just a guard defender as well. You can't really... What what made the Warriors so great is the fact that he could switch one through five. Now, because he's a little bit older, doesn't quite have the lateral quickness that he used to have. The ones and twos, not as much. It's more of a four and three, sometimes the five. He is the reason why they were so good. Not not the reason, that, that seems hyperbolic, but... He is one of the reasons why they were so good, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And people don't want to admit it, but offensively, even though he's a limited shooter and he's not a great shooter, he is somebody who helps facilitate the offense because Clay, like we talked about previously, is more of just a spot-up guy on, on the offensive side, not really a creator. Draymond creates offense. That lets Steph be in motion, run off screens. He doesn't have to be the primary ball handler all the time. And now they have Wiggins, another dude, Jordan Poole, another guy. And the bigger, the, the big scheme of what the Warriors were in that four, five, six year run, he was somebody who could take some of the some of the pressure off Steph and let him be off the ball and get open off of screens and things like that. But to get more on point of the perception is reality. I am somebody who I appreciate what Draymond does as a basketball player, mostly, but he has developed the reputation of kind of being a jerk. Like you can't kick multiple dudes in the nuts. You can say allegedly or not on purpose if you want to, they were intentional. Like he's the Albert Hainsworth of the NBA, essentially. But that is the reputation that he has now built up for himself. He doesn't have to do it. Him and Chris Paul are almost that same way. Like, they're, those two dudes are really good at what they do, but they aren't the most athletic, and they're bothered by people who are. Like, Chris <laughs> Chris Paul kicked another... I, I don't even know because I wasn't watching the series, but I did see a clip or, you know, a screenshot of... Chris Paul kicked another dude in the nuts because he was tired about being bothered. I think it was a, the, the Pelican series, that Alvarado guy. I think that he kicked him in the nuts when he was taking a jump shot. Chris Paul is one of the greatest point guards ever, but he's also almost 40 years old. He don't like these 22-year-old kids getting up in his junk. I would imagine to him, he's like, this isn't basketball. Like, Why, why are you doing this? Get out of here, man. 
Draymond, like, they're not... Chris Paul and Draymond Green are not the same person. I'm not trying to do that. But I feel like the older that you get, and this is like universal as far as life is concerned, the older that you get, you start getting envious and jealous of the younger generation coming up. Chris Paul is at the end of his career. He is looking at this like, no, man, like I'm Chris Paul. I don't have a ring. You, this little gnat, this rookie who likes to hide out in the corner and try to steal the ball from guys on inbounds, you aren't going to be the reason why I don't get a ring, period. And he's taken that personally. Draymond has multiple rings. And again, I'm not comparing the two of them together, but I feel like they have a very similar thought process. They aren't the most athletic people on the court because they aren't. Let's be serious. Neither one of them, nobody who watches the NBA has ever said, oh, Draymond Green's the best athlete in the NBA. Same thing with Chris Paul. Regardless of how good Chris Paul is athletically, nobody has ever said he's the best athlete. Zach Levine's a better athlete than Chris Paul. Doesn't make him a better basketball player. He's just a better athlete. And I'm sorry to get off topic, but when we kind of circle back is Draymond, what he brings to the Warriors is a huge thing. But his perception is reality of what he did to get ejected in game one was asinine. The ejection was crazy. What he's done previously... This dude has, I don't care what your opinion is. I don't like being that person where your opinion doesn't matter. But regardless, your opinion does not matter. He has intentionally kicked dudes in the balls. That, 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 that is not debatable. He has done it multiple times. Now, that's not what he did in game one against Memphis, but your reputation can sometimes be your reality. The play in Memphis was not ejectionable. But if he was not Draymond Green, he would not have gotten ejected. That is the point. This dude plays hard. He's a great defender. All those things, we can keep. We can just keep running circles all he wants to on that. But what it really boils down to is, Dog, had you not done all the other nefarious that you have done to lead up to this, you would not be, not not, not suspended, but ejected there in game one. And it was the same thing when y'all lost to Cleveland. When the Warriors lost to Cleveland and they were up 3-1 and Draymond got suspended. Had you not done all that goofy, weird, quote-unquote defensive stuff, you wouldn't have been Suspended then. You have built the reputation. That game, game one against Memphis, was not ever supposed to be in question. But you, good sir, have done enough in the past seven, eight years where this is what people think that you are and what your intentions are. And Golden State still won that game. And you can say, well, he galvanized the team. He did this and that. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not a huge believer in that kind of stuff. For me, it just felt like Memphis is an upbeat team. And they would rather just have Steph, Clay, and Jordan Poole play all the time. Because offensively, you just need the buckets. And all three of those guys can shoot threes and Draymond can't. Even regardless of what I said about 
how he can facilitate and kind of take the pressure off of Steph. That was that was pre-Jordan Poole. What they did against Memphis in game one was, oh, we've got a defensive stopper, but there's this weird thing called we got three guys who can all shoot the three at like 40% or higher. And they're all good off the dribble. Well, Steph and, and Poole are good off the dribble. Clay is really good at spot up and like he'll, he'll never miss. That's what it was. It just became, you have better shooters than Memphis. Him getting ejected was actually probably a good thing for them. Now, I'm not trying to be like 2020 hindsight guy and say just because they won that was the case. But in this particular series, with how up and down they play, how fast they play, that actually probably worked out to their advantage. Now, I'll tell you what, when it comes down to game two, I bet that Draymond's going to be on his best behavior. Why? Because they're still on the road. When they go back to Golden State, he's going to go right back to his old antics. Because he's not getting those calls. He's The call that happened in Memphis where he ripped the dude's, like, he ripped the jersey, sounds, because he didn't even do that. He did grab him, but he was trying to hold him up. He was trying to, you know, be supportive in that type of moment. In Golden State, that dude is not getting ejected unless he once again literally kicks a dude right in the balls. It's not going to happen. The fact that he got... The only reason why he got thrown out in that game in Memphis is because it was in Memphis. That was it. If it was at home, that wouldn't be called. Because the the refs, whether you like to admit it or not, or whether you like to think that this is true or not, those refs look after themselves too on the replays and things like that especially when it comes to playoff games you better believe that and on top of the fact that over the past two weeks we've had just absolutely bananas things going on where people are protesting and i'm not trying to say that everybody's gonna do this but if y'all keep wilding out like this anybody who can go to a pro game man There might be a chance where we're just watching people all the time from our couches because people don't know how to just act. And I'm saying that because things have gotten exponentially worse over the past like three or four years, right? Like now we've had certain isolated instances where, you know, we've seen, you know, football fans throw beer bottles and stuff at refs as they're leaving. That doesn't usually happen. But over the past couple of years with the pandemic, we have seen Fans just like throw things at players and, you know, everything in between because people don't know how to act. You don't think that at some point in time, and especially an NBA game, because in the NFL, like you've got bleachers and like there's things that kind of separate you from the fans. In the NBA, you are right there. You are probably seven feet, maybe, from the actual court and from referees and players. There is going to be a time, I don't know when, but I guarantee you there will be a time in the next like two, three years at the very bare minimum where we see a fan attack a player or a referee. It's going to happen. We're just too comfortable. Mike Tyson punched a dude on an airplane. Why? Because dudes get too comfy. He won't hit me. That is Mike Tyson. Getting a little off topic, but regardless of the fact that I am, People in general just feel entitled and don't know how to act. And you better figure that thing out because you're about to ruin live sports for everybody. I had mentioned this on a on a previous episode. Like 
I played sports in high school, right? Like I ran track, I played basketball. If one person messed up, everybody ran sprints, right? Like that was the deal. You mess this up, nobody is leaving without dealing with your actions. And I don't feel like we're that far off. It's it's a, it's a very much an extreme. And I don't know if it'll happen. But if it continues, how are we supposed to go to live events? How are we supposed to go to basketball games and football games if people can't act right? Ticket prices are going to go up. Why? Because you need more security. You're just going to have to. We have no idea when anybody is going to just act out, act a fool, and storm a court or try to attack somebody who's on the field. Like we see streakers and like it's funny and they're, they're largely harmless. But from the perspective of people who actually work those events, they don't know that. And that's the problem we run into. And it's the problem we're going to run to even more is because with the social media pages that we're on, everybody just wants to get noticed. And again, going off on a tangent, but this is really what we're looking at. When are we just going to go back to, you can heckle people. I played, I played high school ball. Like, and I know that's not really a comparative thing, but I remember getting heckled as part of the job, right? And saying certain things and booing, like that's, that's totally fine. That's like in the construct of sports. But when you start throwing things at people, these are still people. Regardless of how much money they make, you are there to watch them play. Get yourself in gear, man. Because you might. I don't I don't think that we'll ever reach a point in time where we can't go to see live sporting events. But if we don't fix it soon as far as how... And the money has nothing to do with it. There are certain people who have no money and they're up top and they're not starting anything. It's the people who have money who are down at the bottom that start things because they feel entitled. Yeah, sorry, I got like 40 different tangents. I got super riled up. I don't even know how to finish that segment. So I guess I won't. What I will do, though, is before I end this particular episode, I got to tell y'all, I was on, I didn't remember exactly what page it was on, but I was someplace and somebody was talking about Bo Jackson. And I've talked about Bo Jackson before. I actually have an episode from months ago that says Bo knows that I'm overrated. That is the episode. Bo knows he's overrated. And not not as an athlete, but this is where this all comes into play because I saw somebody, Bo Jackson, averaged you know, five and a half yards per carry and had 30 home runs and 100 RBRs. That's super cool. That happened one season. The reason why I'm bringing this up now is you guys collectively. Now, I know that some of you guys are able to compartmentalize and understand that one thing is one thing and one thing is another. But collectively, social media does not. Bo Jackson is arguably the greatest athlete that we've ever seen. Old heads will say Babe Ruth. He was not a great athlete. He was just really good because it was only white dudes playing baseball back then. But he wasn't a great athlete. But it's the Bo Jacksons. It's the Deion Sanders. It's, like, it's those two guys. And we talk about best athletes that we've ever seen. You know, Jesse Owens gets thrown in there. But when you talk about multi-sports, it's Bo Jackson and it's Deion Sanders. Like those two dudes could do both of those sports either great or well, depending on what they were playing. The reason why I bring this up is I had multiple people 
in my mentions the other day saying that Bo Jackson is one of the greatest NFL running backs they had ever seen. I'm sorry, were we watching completely different Bo Jacksons? It's super cool that you watched that cartoon that had Bo Jackson, Michael Jordan, and Wayne Gretzky. That's awesome. I'm not disputing that he's not one of the greatest athletes we've ever seen, but there is no way in hell that somebody who rushed for less than 3,000 collective yards in the NFL is the greatest running back ever. If you want to say athlete, if you want to say college, that's fine. But if we are talking about NFL achievements, no, put your nostalgia to the side. Put your ignorance to the side. Just because Bo knows doesn't mean he knows how to rush for more than 10,000 yards because he didn't do it. Couldn't even do half of it. And injuries are part of it. He also wanted to play baseball. But that's my point is that he was a great athlete. He was not a great NFL player. He's not even the greatest Raider running back ever. Marcus Allen would like to have a conversation with you, good sir. Marcus Allen's probably the most accomplished running back we've ever seen. We don't we never talk about him as the greatest running back ever because he's not. Marcus Allen is not the greatest running back ever, but he is the most accomplished. High school, college, NFL. Marcus Allen, you can pretty much just leave it there as far as accomplishments, but you need to know, but you need to be able to differentiate what we are talking about. If it is greatest running back ever, Bo Jackson is not there. Cool, you played Tecmo Bowl. We all get it. He was a cheat code. If you think that Bo Jackson is the greatest running back ever, that means that you probably also think that Michael Vick is the greatest quarterback ever because he was the cover athlete in Madden 04 and he was also a cheat code. Spoiler alert, Michael Vick isn't a great quarterback at all. He was a ridiculous athlete even admit that he couldn't even read defenses until he was like 12 years in the league. We want to build up the guys who are the great athletes and build them up to be great at what their specific sport is. And sometimes that is not the case. Bo Jackson, Michael Vick are prime examples of this. And with that being said, we're going to go ahead and hang it up for the day. Thanks for chopping it up with P. Scott. I'm Prescott Kelly, as always. Tell your friends, behind your kids, hide your wives. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Always good to have you with us. And once again, as always, stay up, stay blessed. We'll catch you guys in the next one.